0: No.
1: What would you say?
0: No I said not by works, but by faith are we saved.
1: Anybody else?
2: No, those good works are in. Um, no, called, it doesn't get us into heaven.
3: But we will be judged by our works.
2: Uh, those good works are an outgrowth of our belief in Christ, because we love God, because we believe in God. And because we are uh, becoming like God, we serve him and we serve him by loving others and being kind. We become like Jesus and it just happens naturally. It's not something we have to force ourselves to do or we push ourselves to do. It's just a natural outgrowth of being like Christ.
1: Okay. All right. Everybody's got some good, excellent comments. As, As was mentioned, it's by grace are we saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, Jesus came to bridge the gulf that was created between us and God, and he's the only bridge between us and God. So it's only through him that we'll ever have the beautiful privilege and opportunity to live with God and reign with him forever. So it's only through Christ can we make it to heaven uh, so that we can become a member of the heavenly family. And there's nothing more important to us than becoming a member of the heavenly family. It's a lot you can do on earth you know, attain great uh, titles and big positions and a lot of money and uh, material goods, but none of it is going to be worth making it to heaven, inheriting the kingdom that God has prepared for us from the foundation of the world. And when you think of that from the foundation of the world, what does that tell you about God? That the kingdom was prepared since then. He had a plan and what else?
0: He had a plan for us. From the beginning, well, well, I'll put it like this. He knew that, that mankind was going to fall. And so his whole thing was, you know, to prepare for that fall from the very beginning.
1: Okay, anybody else? What does that mean to you? From the foundation of the world, the kingdom was prepared for us.
2: It was always it was always intended. It
0: was and always, he said um, go ahead, Karen. He said in Genesis that he would put enmity between the, the enemy and man. So that tells you right there that he had already had, he already had a plan in place.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, all excellent comments. God is a planner, he's a God of order. He's not just uh, happenstance, think-it-up-as-you-go type God, He has everything mapped out and worked out, and he's thought of everything. Sometimes if you uh, uh, remember I was making some muffins <laughs> with my grandkids, and I had the recipe even. And I was following the recipe and did everything, and then uh, they just didn't come out right. And I kept trying to figure, what's wrong with this recipe? These muffins ain't come out right. We ended up that I had forgot the baking soda or baking powder, so they didn't rise. But it's just an afterthought that I had forgot it. And I was like, oh man, I should have done this and I should have done that. But God doesn't, he doesn't go that route. God maps everything out. He never makes mistakes. He has everything planned. He has backup plans. He has everything that's needed. He's, he thought it all, all before we were even uh, born, before the foundation of the world, God already had the plan of salvation, and he already had the kingdom planned for us to inherit. Uh, Jesus came that we might have a view of heaven and a view of what God is and what God's character is so that we wouldn't just forget about the coming reward. It says on page 284, and this is interesting because we're always asking God to give us strength over temptation, to give us Uh, willpower to give us the desire to do what's right. On 284 says, with eternal realities in view, we will habitually cultivate the thoughts of the presence of God. So in other words, when we keep heaven in our thoughts, then we'll cultivate thoughts about the presence of God. And this will be a shield against the incoming of the enemy. How will thinking of heaven keep you from sinning? How does that help us not to
0: sin? Because it keeps heaven before you. It keeps it in your view. And you know that in order to make it there, you've got to obey God.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyone else? How does thinking about heaven help us to resist sin and temptation?
2: Well, if I'm also on heaven, we're not going to be tempted. What'd you, you
0: sure
2: say, if- I said if I thoughts are on heaven, we're not going to be tempted. Yeah, because really... I don't know anybody that can think of two thoughts at the same time. You know, we're usually focusing on one thought. So, you know, if we're focused on God. Then we're not paying attention or um, following the ideas of lusting after stuff.
1: Okay. Any other comments? You got to keep your thoughts heavenward, right? And we want to know that when we're thinking about heaven and then temptation comes, which it always will, then we can put in our mind, we say, yeah, but I'm trying to make it to heaven. I want to be with God in glory. I want that eternal life. And it gives us a desire to turn away from the temptation for something that's a higher priority. You know, we have to keep things prioritized. Heaven, God in heaven first. Everything else comes after that. Uh, Many times people say that people who exhibit courage under fire, so to speak, they say, oh, this person's a, a hero, or they don't feel any fear. But people who have done heroic acts will tell you they felt fear, but there was a higher priority at that moment. It's not that they didn't feel the fear. They just felt the fear, and they did what was necessary for that higher priority. So when we keep our thoughts about heaven and God's eternal life for us, that gives us courage, that gives us strength, that gives us a desire and a willpower to resist the temptation. You know, temptation, the thing about temptation and sin, it only lasts for a moment. And after that moment, then the devil comes back and condemns you for falling for his tricks. But heaven is eternal forever, and the happiness and joy that we'll experience will be forever so you don't wanna cast that away for a few moments of pleasure. And that's why we need to keep our thoughts heavenward. Over on uh, 285 talks about the Christian's motive. Is, there, is it wrong to think about the reward of heaven? Is it, is it wrong to know that heaven is a reward?
2: No, No.
1: I've heard no. people say that you shouldn't think about heaven as a reward because that's the only reason you're following God. What do y'all say about that?
2: Say, the only reason we're following God is because of the reward? Right. Uh, Yeah, all of the rewards. The ones here on earth where you get forgiven for sins, the ones where you get healing, the reward of being um, saved, all of the rewards. Just following Christ isn't a reward of itself, but we also follow him for all the other rewards. You know, following the commandments is a reward because it prevents us from having so many unnecessary undue, undue problems. You know, it's, just, it's not just heaven that you're looking forward to. I mean, you are, but feeling people who don't forgive themselves live miserably. They feel guilty all the time, they feel ashamed. God frees us from all of that you know, by forgiving us. And then we know we have been forgiven and we have that uh, peace even having the Holy Spirit, all those gifts that comes with that, love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, and temperance, all of that, people cannot lose weight. Why? Because they don't have the gift of the Spirit of God using temperance. So, you know, there's there's so much to following God. How can you not think about the benefits <laughs> that you're getting from following the Lord?
1: Mm, God's continually showering blessings on us.
2: Right, His word right, is
1: full of promises. Right. His word is full of blessings to come. How can we ignore that? Mm-hmm. You know, think about yourself. Uh, Is there something wrong with you going to work because you get paid?
2: Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> and look, that's one day, of the rewards. And the day they start a
2: lot of people don't even like their quit. jobs, but
0: they'll go <laughs> to get the paycheck. Yeah. Out. Yeah.
2: And the day, the day they stop paying you is the day you're going to say, okay, I I need to find something else to do, or I can get paid doing something that I like and work the schedule that I want to work if I'm not going to get paid. So no, you know, it's just.
1: God gives us these. uh, He lets us know what the rewards are as an incentive. Also, as we just talked about to keep our eyes stayed on him to remember that heaven is our goal. This earth is not our home. It's not our true home. temporary home. The Bible says that we're pilgrims and strangers on this planet. We're just passing through, right? So we don't want to get so hung up on temporal things here on this earth that we forget there is a great reward waiting for us in heaven. And that's where our future life is.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like Andre, you know, who's traveling away from home right now. Andre coming home, part of that is to look forward to seeing his wife and to spend time and to talk to her about the his travels and stuff, you know, it's a good feeling to be back home. It's a good feeling to be with people you love. You know, no, I don't think it's anything wrong with looking at the rewards of what you're gonna get.
1: That's why God tells tells us about him. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever sang this song, Karen? You like to sing. Have you ever sang this song, The Wicked Shall Cease From troubling and the Weary Shall Be At Rest?
0: Y'all you know, remember I that, know song? that song?
1: Alvina, you know that one? It might be a Baptist song or a Methodist. We used to sing it, the wicked shall cease from troubling and the weary shall be at rest. All of the saints and the angels will sit at his feet and be blessed.
0: Hmm.
1: Talking about heaven. Does anybody know exactly what heaven looks like?
0: No. I don't know if anybody living does. Um, I think Ellen White was shown heaven. And she didn't want to go back to Earth. And the angel told her <laughs> that she had to go back for now. Mm-hmm. But if she lived right, then she mm-hmm. would be there. She, would make she was it probably way.
1: kicking and screaming not to come
0: why come did, Why did she want to come back? Because <laughs> heaven was so beautiful. And then she had to come back to this dark planet full of disease and sickness and death.
2: And even though she went and she saw... She herself says that she was not able to communicate the great great things. Yeah, she's not Mm. able to describe what she saw up there. You know. Mm -hmm.
1: The Bible speaks of three heavens. Does anybody know what the three heavens it speaks of are?
2: Oh yes, it's the atmosphere, it's space, and then it's heaven. Then where where God 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 and
0: angels reside, third heaven.
1: Okay, so the atmosphere, what we see, clouds and blue sky. And then there's outer space where the planets and the galaxies are. And then the third heaven is where God dwells. Uh, it's a real place. The point is, it's not make-believe. It's, this is a real place where God lives. And it's, uh, we want to remember that. Don't think of it as a play place or just make-believe or, you know, in theory, This is a real, live, tangible place that God has prepared for us. Homes where mansions are being prepared for us by our loving uh, Redeemer. And uh, a lot of times people say, as I was saying, they don't want you to think too much about heaven because it seems like you're becoming materialistic, and a lot of people have just given up on Christ because of that. But the Bible tells us Jesus went there to prepare a place for us. So why shouldn't we think about it? Why shouldn't we look forward to it? It's just one of the blessings that God has for us. You know, he has many blessings for us. It's so indescribable. As Lakita says, Sister White couldn't even describe all the things over on page 287. The wonderful things I saw there, I cannot describe. Just uh, same thing with the Bible writers. They did the best they could to describe what they saw in vision and to describe what God was telling them through his spirit. But human language is just too feeble to describe heaven. It's inadequate to describe the reward of the righteous. And Sister White says, if we could have but one view of the celestial city, we would never wish to come back to earth again.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Uh, Lakita and I, we like looking at big houses, mansions, and stuff. Uh, go on house tours or whatever, or ride around and look at places. And some of these places, uh, last couple of years ago, we went to West Palm Beach, Florida. Man, they got some houses down there. And when you see those houses, you like, well, shoot, I don't even want to go back to St. Louis. <laughs> After seeing this, you know, look at how these people live. That's how it would be if we could see heaven we never wanna come back to this planet again. Now there's some nice places on earth still, you know, nice uh, nature. I'm talking about nature, not talking about too many cities, but natural things, mountains, rivers, lakes, streams, uh, birds, trees, flowers, a lot of beauty still on the earth, even though it's sin marred and cursed. But even those places, they're nice, but they're nothing like what heaven's gonna look like. Heaven has streams, hills, trees. What kind of trees does heaven have?
2: We well, you know, it has the tree of life,
1: uh-huh. and that
2: tree has uh, have a different fruit on it um, every month. And what kind you
1: know, of rivers in heaven?
2: It's a clear river.
1: Mm-hmm, the river it flows of life. from
2: the throne of God.
1: Yeah. So look on page two eighty seven. It says streams, hills, and trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we saw She's talking about vision Here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God Out of the throne came a what? Pure river yeah.
0: of water
1: Pure river of water And on either side of the river was what? Tree
0: of life
1: Yeah Now she says at first I thought I saw two trees But then she saw that they were united at the top Into one tree So the tree of life was on both sides of the river and says that the fruit was glorious. It looked like gold mixed with silver. It says there are ever-flowing streams, clear as crystal. Beside them, waving trees cast their shadow on the path, prepared for the ransom of the Lord. There the wide-spreading plains swell into hills of beauty. The mountains of God rear their lofty summits. On those peaceful plains beside the living stream, God's people, so long pilgrims and wanderers, shall find a home. Isn't that amazing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of the things that we have on earth will be there, mountains, streams, etc but they're going to be heavenly, beautiful, and pure. And then it goes on to say flowers, fruit, and animals. What type of flowers do you think will be in heaven?
0: What kinds of
1: flowers? Some beautiful daphrodias. flowers that
0: never die. Mm-hmm.
1: Think there'll be some dandelions? <laughs> well, if
2: God created dandelions. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What kind of fruit you think will be there?
2: All kinds of Best fruit ever. <laughs> and we and fruit mm-hmm. we don't even know about. It'll probably be food that we have never eaten here.
1: Yeah, and what kind of, what what about animals?
2: Well, I think As the, the lion, the lamb, bears. and the
0: leopard and the wolf will all be there together. So there'll Is be animals. Some? I think I think this. I think there will be things that we recognize from the earth, but they will be different in heaven mm-hmm you know yeah, they <laughs> won't be
1: sinful they'll be as god created them as uh just going through here real quick it says uh, all kinds of flowers that never fade tall grass beast of all kinds lion lamb leopard wolf woods not like the dark woods we have here but light and glorious uh on the way to mount zion the glorious temple of god there was box trees, pine, fir, myrtle, pomegranate tree, fig tree with figs on it. And then she says, I saw a table of pure silver many miles in length. Isn't that something? Yes, yeah, she said our eyes could extend over it. What does that mean?
0: You'll be able to see it. See what? That our vision, our vision will be vision magnified.
1: Will yeah. uh-huh. Isn't that something to be able to see for many miles? I saw the fruit of the tree of life, manna, almonds, figs, pomegranates, grapes, and many other kinds of, of fruit. Isn't that amazing? So it's gonna be a beautiful place. Uh, whenever you travel, uh, whenever we travel, we like to stop at farmer markets or the fruit, fruit vegetable market that the city might have. And you get to see a lot of beautiful different fruits, but heaven's gonna be so much grander So much more beautiful than anything that we've ever seen down here. And I know I've mentioned to you guys before to try and make a trip to one of the international markets we have here in town. Uh, The international markets. Because they have so many different fruits and vegetables that you've never even heard of that it would just shock you that so many different types of plants and food are available. Because Americans, we tend to limit our diet to what we're used to as opposed to what's available to be eaten. So go out and check it out, but it will never be like what's going to be planned for us in heaven. And how do you think you will feel in heaven? Will your knees still act up when it's going to rain? Will your oh, back hurt no. every time you look, uh, try to pick nope. something up? No way. What, how are we going to be physically in heaven?
3: Perfect. I'll be 25 again.
1: <laughs> Jan, what'd you say?
4: I just said in perfect health.
1: Yeah, look on page 289. It says, the vigor of eternal youth. All come forth out of their graves the same in stature as when they entered the tomb or the grave. Adam is of lofty height and majestic form in stature just a little bit lower, less than the Son of God. And it says he presents a marked contrast to the people of later generations. In this one respect, is shown the great degeneracy of the race. What has happened to the race since Adam was created?
2: we
0: got smaller and
1: smaller secrets. Yeah, secret. we've gotten smaller in stature. Mm hmm. Thicker Yeah. Weaker. And it says, go ahead, Alvin. Weaker. Yeah. It says, but all arise with the freshness and vigor of eternal youth. Restored to the tree of life in the long lost Eden, the redeemed will grow up, quote unquote, to the full stature of a race in its primeval glory. Isn't that something? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If Adam at his creation had not been endowed with 20 times more vital force as men now have, the race with their present habits of living in violation of natural law Will become extinct.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't that something?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If Adam hadn't had so much vital force, the human race would have been extinct because of living in violation of God's natural law. It says, none will need or desire repose. What does that mean?
2: Rest. Rest. All right.
1: Rest. You won't even be tired. There will be no weariness doing the will of God and offering praise heaven is all health, all health, isn't that amazing, Mm -hmm. and as they say, health is not just the absence of sickness, health is strength and vigor of body and mind, Uh, happiness is guaranteed, has anybody ever guaranteed you happiness, did Jesus guarantee us happiness on earth, no, no,
0: He he guaranteed that he would always be with us, but he didn't guarantee. Mm -hmm. When we go through the fire, when we go through the water, he would be with us, but he did not guarantee happiness.
1: Yeah. No, he didn't guarantee happiness. In fact, he says in the world, you're going to have trouble. Mm -hmm. Now it says uh, on 290, right below happiness guaranteed. The next paragraph says it is presumption to indulge in supposition and theories regarding matters that God has not made known to us in his word. We need not enter into speculation regarding our future state. What is she saying there?
0: Well, you know, we want to speculate Mm. about all kinds of things, you know, that we in these mortal bodies have to deal with. And so... She's saying, you know, don't speculate about those things because, you know, God is going to take care of that. You know, mm-hmm. like, what does it mean? What does it mean to say we'll be a little lower or we'll be like the angels or whatever? We don't know what the angels mm-hmm. are like and we could only speculate as to what they're like in bodily form. Mhm.
1: Anyone else? What do you think she's saying in that? Don't try to guess at what God has planned for us. If he hasn't made it known to us, then don't try and figure it out because we cannot figure out God. Not by searching, Job says. We can't figure God out. We're just not smart enough. We're not him. It's nice to use, as they say, heavenly imagination, but don't think you know for sure because you don't. Only what God has revealed to us Can we truthfully acknowledge as true? And it also says we're not to measure the conditions of heavenly life by the conditions of this life. It's going to be a totally new life. Mm -hmm. Old things are passed away, all things will become new. Uh, When you get to heaven, how are you going to recognize people? They're going to have name tags.
0: How are you going to
1: recognize your friends and family?
0: We'll have the same individuality of features so that our friends will be able to recognize us.
2: You know, we'll just be free from disease
0: and defect.
2: You know, one of the things is that it was interesting to me that after Jesus' resurrection, he showed himself to some people, the people they didn't really recognize him. Like when he walked to the city with those people they didn't physically they didn't recognize him Mm -hmm. you know Mary she didn't recognize him the way he looked I don't know what he looked like after he came Mm -hmm. up out of the tomb but when she heard his voice when he said Mm -hmm. you know Mary you know who are you looking for whatever you know and those people that was on the um road to was it Emmaus or Damascus Uh anyway Mm -hmm. they didn't recognize him until he started speaking and then and outlined the bible and gave them you know insight and then they realized who they were talking to
0: actually i don't think they recognized him until they had gotten to where they were going and they were right. at supper eating
3: yeah at and, supper and, and then right before he left
0: their eyes were open and they recognized
4: yeah. Him. Yeah,
2: because of the way his mannerism the way he did stuff you know mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. like now i'm nearsighted so oftentimes I can't see a person clearly if they're at a distance, but I can tell by the way they walk and the way they move yeah. who that person is. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so we're on page 291, Identity of the Redeemed Preserve. It says, The resurrection of Jesus was a type of the final resurrection of all who sleep in him. The countenance of the risen Savior, his manner, his speech, were all familiar to his disciples. As Jesus rose from the dead, so those who sleep in him are to rise again. We shall know our friends, even as the disciples knew Jesus. They may have been deformed, diseased, or disfigured in this mortal life, and they rise in perfect health and symmetry. Yet in the glorified body, their identity will be perfectly preserved. So our family and friends will recognize us. We still have our own individual identity. Uh, says the same form will come forth but free from disease and defects bearing the same individuality of features so that friend will recognize friend that'd be very nice wouldn't it be uh kind of crazy not to recognize people you know here you uh, grew up with them and went to church with them or studied and prayed with them and then when you get to heaven you can't tell them from anybody else <laughs> that wouldn't be very much uh, fun would it
0: that's true uh, but i but i imagine Lee, that over the millennia that we'll gain so many more friends you talk about facebook we'll gain <laughs> heavenly friends and, and and friends in other plant you know other solar systems and all of that
1: yeah amen to that uh, over on 292 it says the joy of seeing our family in heaven is the joy, uh, let's see, is the joy of seeing that your efforts, mothers, are rewarded. Here are your children, the crown of life is upon their heads. God's greatest gift is Christ, whose life is ours, given for us. He died for us and was raised for us that we might come forth from the tomb a glorious companionship with heavenly angels to meet our loved ones and to recognize their faces. For the Christ likeness does not destroy their image but transforms it into his glorious image. Every saint connected in family relationship here will know each other there. Now, what about uh, we always, we've talked about what happens to little babies, um, little infants who die early. What does she have to write about salvation of infants and imbeciles? And the word imbecile I take to mean uh, mentally handicapped.
0: She says that the, the little babies are gonna come forth and immediately wing their way to their mother's arms and they'll mm-hmm. never part again. But she says also that many of them, their mothers are not there. Mm. And so the angels receive the motherless infants and conduct them to the tree of life.
1: Okay. How is it that the little children uh, pass the test of character?
3: Cause they're innocent. They're too young to understand about the commandments of the Lord. They have not been taught. They under the age of understanding and reasoning.
1: Okay, that's true. Anything else?
2: Yeah. She what, says
0: look, that what, the what, go, ahead, go ahead. She can. says that the faith of the believing parents covers the children, as when God sent his judgments upon the firstborn of the Egyptians. But then she says, let me see. She doesn't know whether all the children of unbelieving parents will be saved. We cannot tell because God has not made that known and he's mm-hmm. not made his purposes known there. So we just leave it in his hands. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's very interesting. even little infants will be saved. Uh, and then Warriors talks about people who are mentally handicapped, what does she have to say about that. This she was specifically talking about uh, one person in particular. Uh, but what does she say about him?
2: It's without the consciousness of sin. The grace of God will remove all his, this hereditary transmitted imbecility, and we, he will have an inheritance among the saints in light. To you, the Lord has given reason. A is a child as far as the capacity of reason is concerned. He has the submission and obedience of a child.
1: Right. You know, the main thing to take from that is that God is the judge and he's the righteous judge. Mm -hmm. And he'll make the right decision for all concerned, Mm -hmm. whether infants or those with mental handicaps or those who have gone through a lot of things in life. Uh, That's why we have to put our trust in him and to uh, continually pray for his grace to cover each and every one of us, as well as our family members, too. Uh, What about what does it say about? faithful mothers. Does it do mothers any good to pray for their children or to instruct them in the ways of the Lord? Why? What difference would that make?
0: Because when uh, the children, uh, when the books are opened and and, and the well done of the great judge is pronounced, the crown of immortal life is placed upon the brow of the victor. She says many will raise their crowns in the sight of the assembled universe and Pointing to their mother, say, "She made me all that I am through the grace of God. Her instruction, her prayers have been blessed to my eternal salvation."
1: Isn't that gonna be nice? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice too if our kids said that to us now? <laughs> yeah. Don't wait. To, don't wait till you get to heaven to give your parents their roses. You know, yeah. let them know how you feel now. The angels of God immortalized the names of the mothers whose efforts have won their children to Christ. Isn't that something? What do you think immortalized their names mean? Any thoughts? Oh no. I mean the fact that they mention their name in heaven immortalizes it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's like, okay, forever after their name will be spoken of in heaven by the angels you know that's like when uh when mary anointed jesus with the oil and he said forever after she will be known you know in the pages Mm -hmm. of of of, of history
1: now is that uh something that's only um only going to be given to mothers for winning the souls of their children
0: no i don't think so it says no, it that, says that. Go ahead. It says that when the redeemed stand before God, precious souls will respond to their names, who are there because of the patient, but because of the faithful patient efforts put forth in their behalf, the entreaties mm-hmm. and earnest persuasions to flee to the stronghold. Though thus, those who in this world have been laborers together with God will receive their reward.
1: Amen. And what do we say about crowns in heaven?
0: You know, starless
1: crowns won't be any starless crowns because everybody there will have influenced someone to give their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why when you are studying or praying with someone, or you are interceding for someone to find Christ in their life, don't give up because it's a great reward waiting in heaven for your efforts. And even though you might not see the reward, see their uh, them giving their life to Christ on earth when you get to heaven, there'll be people coming up to you and saying, hey, you remember me? Uh, it's because of you that I've gave my life to Christ. And you, you hopefully you remember him, but maybe you won't. But uh, never we, give we, up. I
3: mean, it sold. will be brought to our memory, remember? What's that? I said it will be brought to our remembering. If we can remember stuff, we'll recognize. And like, we, Oh, I don't remember you, but we will remember.
2: But this is different from what the, the mothers get. Yes, the mothers the angels will immortalize their names okay this is the people whom we have um influenced. i'm no, no in. sorry
3: i was going back to where you're going to recognize friends even though they weren't that co-friend you could recognize associates i don't know i'm just saying i'm going by that
2: mm. oh yeah but i was i'm sorry too because i was i was just differentiating because because uh, of asked, is is this going to only be for mothers
4: This particular
2: reward seems to be, it's going to be the the angels who immortalize the mother's name, not the people you saved. And then it's going to be the people who say to you, you know, you, if it wasn't for you, that, you know, that's a different from the angel. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There'll be rewards for leading people to Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, here's something very interesting on 295 our disposition unchanged. Traits of character, and what's the first sentence say? If you will be a saint in heaven, you must first be what? A saint on earth. Earth. Mm Isn't that interesting? The traits of character you cherish in life will not be changed by death or by resurrection. You come up from the grave with the same disposition you manifested in your home and society. Jesus does not change the character at his coming. The work of transformation of character, it must be done when? Now. Right now, through our daily lives, defects of character must be repented of and overcome through the grace of Christ. A symmetrical character must be formed while we're in probation that we may be fitted for mansions above. So there's people who are waiting for Jesus to change their character when he comes. Not going to happen. Now's the time where we need to be praying about our character defects, praying and repenting from the evil deeds and thoughts that we have and asking God's grace to to cover us and his righteousness to be imparted to us. Character is the only thing we can take to heaven. Can't take your house. Can't take your car. Can't take your clothes. You can't take another person either. Only our characters. So we need to really be praying about that and uh it says there will not be anyone rough or unkind in heaven everything in heaven is noble and elevated all seek the interest and happiness of others no one devotes himself to looking out and caring for himself it is the chief joy of all holy beings to witness the joy and happiness of those around them totally unselfish Totally unselfish. Heaven is all about loving and caring for others, not just loving and caring for yourself. I heard a pastor said a person said the prayer, "Lord bless me and my wife, him and his wife, us four and no more." <laughs> Talk yeah. about being selfish. <laughs> We're, that type of person not going to make it to heaven.
0: I'm surprised unselfish. he was paying for him, for his wife and kids. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) unselfishness is what is going to be in heaven, where everyone cares more for the other than themselves. Have you ever been around people who seem to want to do more for you than you want to do for them? Ever been around somebody like that? They want to do more for you than you want to do for them? Not
2: really. I do my husband.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's nice.
1: That is good. Well, that's our all of us. All of us, our purpose should be to love one another more than the other person loves us. And you imagine what type of earth this would be if everyone strived to love others more than themselves. But the earth is backwards, right?
3: Yep. Everyone backwards. strives
1: to love themselves more than anybody else, and that's why the earth is in the shape it's sin today. But Christ, He loved others more than Himself. So much that he was willing to leave heaven and to give his life for us who were yet sinners. That's the type of love God's asking us to have through his grace and through his Holy Spirit living through us.
4: I was Over watching, on two...
1: on... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jan.
4: I was just going to share something that reminded me of this principle. I was watching, it is written last night, and it was about Jesse Owens. And it talks about when he went to Berlin, um, one of his German competitors was actually helping him figure out how to overcome a problem he was having qualifying. And so when he actually did what the German guy recommended, he did qualify and ended up winning the gold. And it just talked about how this guy was exhibiting Christian principles, you know, and caring about this African-American back in the 1930s and helping him to actually, you know, qualify for the event and win. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. unselfishness is truly a heavenly trait if we look over on uh, 296 it talks about different things in heaven and i was i was underlining things that are different than what we have here on earth so it says i seem to be there where all was peace have we experienced all peace on earth no where there's no stormy conflicts a lot of stormy conflicts on earth, won't be any in heaven. Heaven's a kingdom of righteousness. Earth has a lot of unrighteousness. In heaven we'll be living and walking in happy, pure intimacy, praising God and the lamb. In heaven, no one does each other wrong and their voices are in perfect harmony. Everyone rivals each other only in doing good and seeking the happiness and joy of each other. The greatest there is the least in self-esteem, and the least is greatest in his gratitude and wealth of love. You see how the attributes of heaven are different from the attributes of
2: earth? Yeah, what I'm noticing is this is what we're supposed to be like.
1: Right. It says there are no dark errors, no lies, in other words, to cloud our intellect. Truth and knowledge is clear and strong, no gloom of doubt, no voice of contention, no sorrow, no grief, no tears. All is in perfect harmony, in perfect order, in perfect bliss. Heaven is a home where sympathy is alive in every heart. Love reigns there. There's no jarring elements, no discord, no contention, no war of words. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's such a contrast to the way things are on earth because the devil he wants us to do totally opposite of all these things. So if we can pattern our lives just to this these few paragraphs right there, that would make life a whole lot better, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Just think if human beings could just do these three or four paragraphs, that mm-hmm. would make this world not so bad. Mm-hmm.
0: So why do you think we would need sympathy in heaven? It says where sympathy is alive in every heart, expressed in every look. Why do we need sympathy in heaven? I mean, everybody has made it. Everybody has overcome, you know.
1: Anyone? Why is there sympathy in heaven?
4: I had the same question.
1: (laughs) I think that sympathy being talked about is concern for other people. Everyone's concerned for the happiness of other other folks. Concer- as I said up a little bit earlier, concerned in seeking the happiness and joy of each other. Makita, yeah. what you
2: think? Um, I'm thinking that there is talking more about, and that, this may sound a little ridiculous, but more about how we feel about each other, you know, um, in terms of being supportive, in terms of being kind. And that is started here on earth, instead of us judging people harshly and feeling that, you know, um, people ought to know better and they should do blah, blah, blah. They should be doing this and that. Instead, it's more of an accepting experience of other people and recognizing them as the individual person that they are, instead of like here on earth, you know, everybody got to be a Christian the exact same way but it's not going to be that way in heaven. You know, we're going to all be like flowers, everybody going to be individuals, and I believe that sympathy is the same as accepting each other as we are and even, you know, like rejoicing in individuality and individual personality and stuff. Cuz I think Jesus God is so big, not one of us can encompass the whole the whole um personhood of Jesus. We can't just be like all that Jesus was, if that makes sense to you. So I'm saying it means that we're just going to, we're going to be more accepting of each other. And there's not going to be any of that rigid um, judging, rigid holding others to a certain standard, you know, et cetera.
3: Mm. No Pharisees in heaven.
2: No, no Pharisees in heaven. (laughs) And, you know, no comparing, you know, like, As we eat from the tree of life, I don't know if everybody's going to grow five inches a night until they're to the full stature. or Some people might eat, you know, and and they gain, some eat a little and gain height, you know, at that rate. Some eat a whole lot and gain, I don't know what that's going to be like, but definitely not like, well, you know, I'm better than she is because
0: I'm like almost Adam's now right <laughs> don't you think it's going to be kind of like the manna everyone will get the portion that they need to grow up into the full stature whatever whatever amount of time that takes you know yeah yeah
2: because we're not going to be
0: greedy gluts back up in here <laughs> well you got eternity <laughs> no.
1: for it to happen <laughs>
0: right. right
1: no no hurry and a nice thing too is open communion with the father and the son uh tender relationship with God and the risen saints and even our guardian angel. Have you ever wondered, has anybody ever seen their guardian angel? No. Anybody no. ever wondered what they look like? or I'm sure some people might've seen their angel. No telling, but we'll get to know our guardian angel, the one who protected us and kept us and watched over us and you know, had hope for our salvation, that would be very interesting.
2: Let me ask you guys, do you think, I mean, I know we're not really supposed to think about this. Just a question. Do you think that what happens when, like, when a person dies? What does the guardian angels, his task done? Or does he get another assignment? I wonder. I mean, I know nobody knows the answer. I'm just yeah. <laughs> that's, a,
3: that's a good question.
1: As many people as die and are born every day, I'm sure they pick up somebody else to watch over.
0: Yeah, that just that just that just um, brings to mind the question of Are there more angels than humans that have ever lived? You know, yeah. if there's more angels, then it may not be assigned as another person. But if there's more humans than angels over the course of the ages, six thousand years, six thousand some years, then
1: yeah. possible, I
3: guess. Who knows? So it's not billions very... and billions of years. Huh? So was not <laughs> no billions
1: and billions of you. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think about my guardian angel sometime. He had His work cut out for him, (laughs) he or she had their work cut out trying to keep up with me back in the day. I'm thankful for him. Uh, It'd be very interesting that our new uh, social life will be with the angels and the faithful ones of all the ages. How would it be to be friends with Moses, Elijah and Enoch,
2: Hmm.
1: Adam and Eve, Jesus, everybody? new friends get to ask them about stuff they ask us about stuff
3: oh oh i have a question so we're we gonna ask people like what they did when they were them sinful selves i mean we're gonna talk about sin in heaven i'm just saying
1: oh i Why don't know about
3: that. i mean you know what i'm saying e why'd you eat the apple you know <laughs>
1: i don't know if that's what we're gonna be focused on you know <laughs> hmm well, I it think that Ellen White a bit says about that. It.
0: I think that Ellen White says that we are going to be talking to inhabitants of other worlds about how we made it over. So I'm sure that it's going to include, you know.
1: Well, if you look on page, that we did, yeah, if you look on page 299, it says bearing testimony to unfallen beings.
0: and testimony and this, is going to be testimony part of that is going to be you know yes the times that we did fall you know but we, yeah but we asked for forgiveness and repented repented and asked for forgiveness and so you know
1: it says at the at the bottom of 299 and it's talking about witnessing to unfallen beings in the plan of redemption there are heights and depths that eternity itself can never exhaust, marvels into which the angels desire to look. The redeemed only of all created beings, having their own experience, known the actual conflict with sin. They have wrought with Christ and as even the angels could not do, have entered into the fellowship of his sufferings. Will they have no testimony as to the science of redemption? Nothing that would be of worth to unfallen beings? So I guess we talk to them about redemption, about how we got over, about how, how uh, Christ blessed us in different manner. I'm sure there'll be some things we can talk to them about. Let's look over on, uh, let's see, uh, page 300. Of course, we'll be praising God in melodious music. But it says, searching out the treasures of the universe. Everybody find that part. It says, there when the veil that darkens our vision is removed, our eyes shall behold the world of beauty, which we now catch glimpses through microscope. And when we look into the glories of heaven through the telescope, when the blight of sin is removed, the whole earth shall appear in the beauty of the Lord, our God. What a field will be open to our study. There the student of science may read the record of creation and discern no reminders of the law of evil. Listen to the music of nature. Detect no note of wailing or sorrow. All the treasures of the universe will be open to the study of God's children. And with unutterable delight will enter into that joy and the wisdom of unfalling beings. We shall share the treasures gained through ages spent in contemplation of God's handiwork. So what we think is beautiful now, you know, as y'all know, I like to look at the stars and planets through a telescope. And right now is a good time because the air is a little thinner being cooler. uh, So you can see farther with your telescope. And every time I look up and see uh, Saturn or Jupiter or the moon up close, I'm like, wow, that is just amazing. You just, it's just no words for it. But when we are actually able to fly to other planets and other worlds and talk to unfallen beings, man, that's going to really be something. I can't even think of how nice that's going to be. Does anybody have a favorite planet they want to fly to? I'm
0: sure mine will be out of this solar system, <laughs> another solar <laughs> system somewhere. Whole <laughs> new fly
3: solar system. To the sun.
0: Won't
3: be no more sun, though. I know. It'll be just the light of God's brightness. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the veil that's currently in between visible and invisible worlds will be re- revealed, moved aside. Uh, you know that we are living in a spiritual world and a temporal world, but we'll actually be able to see the angels, just like we see each other now. The curtain will be pulled back. It's pretty amazing that we can live in two worlds now as Christians, spiritual world and this earthly world. But then the two will just blend together. Now, here's an interesting thought. Lakita had a question about uh, Jesus continuing to be in a human form through eternity. And it says that he'll always have the marks of his crucifixion on his head, on his side, his hands and feet as the only traces of the work that sin caused. And what was your question about how the unfallen worlds feel?
2: Well, I didn't have a question. My comment was that it's sad to me that he had to give up his, um, that he gave up his godly form and he will always be like us, you know, step down to me. And um, that we will, see those scars on him and stuff, that he will have scars on him. It's kind of a sad thing that our behavior or our world caused that. And then I thought too, like, he will be like us and not like all the other beings. And I wondered if they would, and I'm sure they won't, if they would feel bad, you know, that he looks like us and not like them. We ain't gonna feel bad so, in heaven, we're gonna be good. Everything good. Well, I know, but I know that everything's gonna be good. But I was just saying, you know, it seems a little unfair that he's not like pe- the beings that have never fallen. I mean, they didn't do anything. And why should he look like us? It's like rewarding the bad people. The people who did wrong, We get, they get a reward to have Jesus like them the rest of eternity. While those who did right will not. But that's just, you know, my human thinking. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, that's just my human thinking about it, you know, from a human standpoint. I'm well, sure.
0: the Lord
1: has that parable about the sheep. The 99 sheep were safe, but the shepherd went after the one that was lost. And that's what he did for this world.
2: Yeah, but he didn't look like the one that was
1: lost. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look like a sheep. <laughs> so, and you know, have...
2: And you know, to bore scars, to bear scars throughout eternity. But, you know, mm. it's something for us to rejoice about, too, you know, that he did that for all us. Right. Showing his...
1: all the love he has. Yeah. And look over on page 303, we're about to wind up. On 303, all these type of questions that you might have, a question about uh, this or a question about that or a question about what Jesus was thinking or why God did this or that, on 303 it says, all that has perplexed us in the providence of God will in the world to come be made plain. So all these questions we have now, God's going to give us answers to. The things that are hard to understand will then be explained. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us. Where our finite minds discover only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We should know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seem most trying. Now wrap your head around that sentence. Infinite love ordered the experiences that you feel were the most trying to you. As we realize the tender care of him who makes all things work together for our good, We shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Isn't that something? Even just thinking about that one sentence, that infinite love ordered the trials and tribulations that you go through, how does that make you feel?
2: Really grateful and um, not so blaming, self-blaming, because, you know, you make mistakes and you think, I wish I would have done this and I wish I would have done that. But when we know Mm -hmm. that God ordered Our steps so that we can be saved you know or we think i should be doing more i should have more whatever the thing is that satan tempts us to think about ourselves this here alleviates all of that that you know we have been led by christ even in those trying times and i was thinking a a little while back um, we studied on jesus and it says that god um, led him into the wilderness And I'm not for sure if it it states to be tried of Satan. It does say that. Mm -hmm. He was was led there. And so we can feel comfortable and confident when we are going through something that God is with us and indeed have ordered ourselves there. I think sometimes we think we have so much more power and control over things than we actually have.
0: Hmm.
1: No control. (laughs) And it's interesting uh, to know, too, that as much as we continue to learn, there will be more things to learn. And we'll continue learning throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. Sometimes as Christians, when we are studying and praying and asking God to bless someone or we go out, uh, do some outreach and evangelism, uh, personal evangelism or group evangelism. And we out there during the cold and during the rain, trying to reach people and you just don't see anybody come, uh, God is saying, don't worry about that because great will be your reward in heaven. You know, and it's like they say, you uh, people plant trees so that their grandchildren may eat the fruit of them. So as Christians, many times we're out there planting seeds so that someone else may eat the fruit of those trees, you know, by, uh, in terms of souls saved in God's kingdom. So keep pressing on, keep doing God's will because he's promised a great reward in heaven. Uh, Finally, it says, over on 306, talking about the great controversy. If you read the great controversy, the first sentence says, God is love. And the last sentence says, God is love. This last part says, the whole universe declares that God is love. The great controversy is what? Ended. Ended. Sin and sinners are no more. more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. From him who created all flow life and light and gladness throughout the realms of illimitable space. From the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy declare that what? God God is God is love. And that's where that book leaves us. God is love. Keep that in our minds and our hearts. God is love. He's taking care of us. He's watching over us. Our prayers will be answered. And before we know it, he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. Let us all pray one for another that we can all be ready and waiting to say, Lo, here's our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. Amen? Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: I certainly appreciate everyone following through in our book, Last Day Events. That winds this book up. Uh, the next book we're going to read, kind of a next step to take, the next book is called Heaven, H-E-A-V-E-N by Ellen White. So look that up on your Ellen White app, or if you already have it at home in your library, that's where we'll start in a couple of weeks, the book Heaven by Ellen White. So, again, thanks everyone for reading through that with us. We learned a lot, but we didn't learn it all. There's always more to know as we study and dig a little deeper in God's word. Any special requests before we wind up? Uh,
3: Yes. My son, Jalen, hurt his hand somehow, his left hand. And um, for their spiritual growth and for their studies and myself, health-wise. And just... uh, Go
1: ahead. Your son and then you also special prayer. Yes,
3: okay. and my and I mentioned my, my kids' spiritual growth. Both of them. Hmm. Anyone else special request?
0: Yes. Uh, for uh, Andre will be traveling tomorrow, so um, safe traveling, mercies for him. And mm-hmm. then, well, uh, pray for uh my family that we gain a closer walk with the Lord. And I, I hurt my foot, and so just pray that the Lord continue to heal that. And then, uh, I had a, I had a, I guess a business issue this week, uh, financial issue this week and the devil just stepped in. And so I'm just praying that the Lord will, um, turn that thing around. So,
1: Mm -hmm. okay, Jan, you have special requests you want to mention or unspoken?
4: Uh, praying for wisdom to make the right decisions and to discern when the Holy Spirit is leading and to be obedient to follow.
3: Man. Me too. Me too. I want her to, I mean, want a prayer like that too. (laughs) I don't mean to cover her prayer.
1: (laughs) Okay. And we ask special prayer for our family and friends uh, that we'll all continue to stay safe in the
2: pandemic.
1: Okay. Lakita.
2: Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we humbly come before your throne of grace, Father. We thank you so much for this study and for the ability to, um, to have information about what heaven is going to be like, dear Lord. And Father, as we strive to move forward and um, to gain the crown that you have already prepared for us to um, occupy those mansions, Father, we ask that you would draw each of us closer. Give us discernment, Father, give us the Holy Spirit. Bless our children that they will, too, follow. Karen's children and Alvina's children, dear Lord. And we know that, um, that you are with them. And we ask that you would bless Jan's son and her grandchildren as well, and um, Karen's grandchildren. Lord, we know that they, we want you to cover them with your mercy and your love, that the Spirit of God will continue to woo them, <clears throat> to call them out of darkness and into this marvelous light. Lord, in, in that case, help us to be good witnesses, Help us to um, show forth your wisdom and your guide, your kindness in, our, in us so that they will be drawn to, to uh, get to know you and to serve you, dear Father. Dear Lord, we ask for health. We ask that for Alvina's son, that he will be healthy, dear Lord, that you will continue to work with Karen and her um, foot will be healed, dear Lord, that the Spirit of God is moving right now with healing power and, and helping her foot to get better, dear Lord. Dear Lord, we ask for each of us, for each of our families, that they will all continue to practice health um, practices in terms of this pandemic. Help us all to be wise and not weary and well doing. Help us not to give up um, <coughs> before, in the face of this pandemic, but to continue on. And, and in that case, Lord, we also ask that you would help us to be more zealous about reaching out and talking to others in whatever way that you lead us to do it, dear Lord. And dear Father, we ask also for our financial blessings, especially for Karen this week that you will turn back. You said that you will um, give back to us what has been taken from us, dear Lord. So we ask that you will give her that. And Lord, you said you will open up the windows of heaven and pour our blessings so much that they will not be, there will not be room enough to receive it. And we claim that on her behalf. And on our behalf too, Lord, we ask that you would help us to be faithful, to be sharing, to be giving, Lord. We ask for the uh, spirit of generosity to rest room and abide over us. Help us to care enough about each other to be willing to help in whatever case we can. And now, Lord, as we look towards the next week, dear Father, we ask that, although we may be absent from each other's presence, let none of us be absent from you. We ask the Lord that the spirit of God will rest from the Bible over our homes, over our churches, over everything that we set our hands to. We claim every blessing that is in Deuteronomy 28 from verses one to 14. We know that those blessings and those verses are meant specifically for each of us. And so with that, we praise your holy name. We thank you so much for the healing and the health we thank you that Karen's uh, financial situation has been turned back. And because you said that we're two or three together in the midst, and if we ask anything in your name, it will be given, Lord. So we are know we are sure in your promise. So we thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. That all things be done according to your
0: will and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, man.
3: Amen. 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 What, Karen,
0: where are we at next week? We are on chapter 73 in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. The chapter is titled Labor in the East.
1: Okay. Labor in the East, folks.
2: Not in the West. (laughs) All right.
1: Praise the Lord. Have a blessed rest of the day. Enjoy the weather out there.
0: Yeah, it was kind of windy today.
1: Yeah, you better tie your bonnet on. (laughs) (laughs)